aspect and challenges that we continually have to face. God, when we look back over our life, we can truly say that, God, you have a stellar resume, that there's no trial that you have not helped us to cause to fall before our eyes. And God, even though sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a situation, God, help us to never forget that, God, we prayed our way into the position that we are in right now, that even though we're challenged, there are things that we overcame, there are barriers that have been broken, there are obstacles that have been overcome, there are strongholds that have been pulled down. And so, God, keep us ever mindful of the fact that we have never walked by ourselves, that we've never walked alone. So God, I pray right now, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that feels alone, that God, even before another word is spoken, that you would just wrap them in your loving arms, that you would pull them close to your heart. God, even before I preach one word, God, I pray that you would begin to speak to them right now, that they're never alone, that you sent your son Jesus to walk this earth so he would know what it was like to suffer, that he would know what it's like to experience grief, that he would know what it was like to have people turn their back on you, God. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way that is common to us. And so, God, we thank you for a Savior that knows what it's like to be us. So, God, I pray that you would just wrap your people in your loving arms, those who are hurting, God, comfort them, those who need their tears wiped away. You said in your word that you would wipe away all tears. God, maybe there's someone who walked through these doors this morning that needs to hear from you. That they don't have another way, they don't have a plan B, they don't have a better option, God. They walk through the doors saying, let that man say something this morning that points me to you. So God, I pray right now that you would hide me at the foot of your cross so that when I preach your word that people will see me but they will hear your voice. God, we need you right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you just need to hear something from God, let us, the church say amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome to Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first time with us, or maybe it's your second or third time, maybe you've been hanging out and never filled out uh, a card, here's what I would love for you to do. There's a card in front of you. We call it a connection card. And so... In the seat in front of you, just grab one of those and fill it out. Let us know a little bit of information about you. And then you can, on your way out, uh, drop that card off right there in the back where it says next steps. Uh, because we just want to show you how much we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. We understand there are plenty of awesome places to worship in the Tri-Cities area. I say this every week because I mean it. I think we're one of the best. And so I'm glad that you chose to join us. And we want to show you how much... We appreciate you. If this is your uh, first time, second time, maybe you have uh, not been around since we started this series, uh, I can't give you all of the content of what we've been talking about, but we started a few weeks ago a series called Stronger, uh, and so this is week four, so I want to ask you to do this. If you missed any of those messages, you can pull out your smartphone right now. Go to your app store, search Tri-Cities Church, that's T-R-I, 
Dash Cities, and you can download our mobile app. It is completely free. You can go back and listen to all the messages from this series and other messages from this year. Even last year, you can get notifications about what's going on. There's a Bible reading plan. It is a great tool for you to stay in touch with what we're doing. But sort of the impetus of this series, I can't give you all of what we talked about, is our theme for the year is stronger. And so you remember if you were here week one, we talked about there's a scripture in the book of Acts that says that after Paul was converted and he presented himself before the people in Jerusalem and they knew that his conversion was legit, it says that the church got stronger and it began to grow through encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And so our theme this year, all year long, our theme is stronger. My job as a pastor, my prayer for you this year is that you get stronger emotionally, stronger spiritually, stronger maybe even physically for some of you. And for us as a church to get stronger organizationally and stronger in our witness. And so this series has been all about getting stronger. And I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to those messages because I'm believing that something that was said may be able to bless you on your dream, on your uh, journey to becoming stronger. So here, here's sort of what I want to do today, and maybe it's going to come off uh, a little bit different because I really wrestled with this text, and I even had to go back and kind of re-look at it again. Uh, and so I want to come from the book of Judges. We're going to talk about uh, Samson, because I realized that you can't really have a series Call stronger and not talk about the strongest man that ever lived. You got to kind of talk about Samson. And so I know many of you, if you didn't grow up in church, that's cool. But most of us, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of Samson and you probably know Samson most famously because of his relationship with Delilah and how she cut off his hair. And you kind of know the end of the movie. And so I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't really take that avenue because uh, if we're going to be honest, Samson was dysfunctional before he met Delilah. Come on now. Let's, let's be honest now. Let's stop blaming Delilah. Let's stop blame, blaming the women because he was crazy before he met Delilah. It wasn't just her fault. Yeah, she was a little bit shady, but Samson had his own issues going on before he met her. So here's what I want to do. I want to sort of take a snapshot and maybe a survey, and I'm not going to be able to talk about all of his life, but I believe there's some things in his life, and so I just want to maybe lift up some principles or some things that I learned maybe about me, maybe it'll bless you too, that at the end of his life, we learned that Samson had his strength taken away from him, and maybe there's some stuff that we can learn from his life that we can avoid if we don't want our strength being taken. Remember last week, I told you that you are stronger than you think you are, so really the issue is not so much about getting stronger, maybe it's about protecting the strength that God already gave you and not putting yourself in a position to have that strength taken away. And so I want to just jump down. Let's start at Judges chapter 16, verse 19. Listen to what it says. It says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Wow. How can, how can the strongest man recording the Bible, whoever lived, find himself in a position. It's kind of like uh, at the end of the movie. So I, I learned something because you know me. I love to read. And I love uh, movies. I love a great story, really. And so whether it comes through a book or a movie, and one of the kind of genres that I like uh, is I like sort of this, this genre that I found out there's actually a name for it where you ever been to a movie or read a book where it sort of starts at the end and you see the main character in a dilemma 
and you're wondering how the heck did he get here? How the heck did she get there? And the directors in a great way kind of set you up because I already told you this, I'm nosy. So I love those types of films because you open it up and I'm nosy because I want to know how did he get here? And so you look at Samson and you look at Delilah and she's cutting off his hair and you think, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the strongest man who ever lived. How do you get here? As a matter of fact, I found out uh, that this sort of genre is called a frame story. There's many different ways to do it. There's a frame story, and it's often when you tell a story uh, within a story, and sometimes directors or authors will start at the end to get you curious enough to know how did they get there. So my question is, uh, the text says that Samson laid down in Delilah's lap. She saved off his seven locks, and this way she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. And so maybe uh, there's some key principles that we can learn from his life as we go through this frame story this morning so that somebody doesn't get in your life and brings you down and saps all your strength. You ready for it? Because here's what I want you to know. Here's the key principle. If you don't remember anything else, we're going to try to take a survey of Samson's life and key moments that led to this moment. Here's what I want you to know. What or who, or sometimes both, what or who we select will either support or subtract our strength. That the people you surround yourself with or the environments you put yourself in. Remember, I told you last week, you're stronger than you think. You remember, go back and listen. I said, because remember, Jacob was wrestling the man, and the man said, I'm not going to be over to overtake Jacob. And we believe that that man was some sort of divine figure. It probably was even God himself. And the man couldn't even overtake God. And I told you this week, you're already strong because you're some stuff that you won't do that God wants you to do. You know how you know you're strong? Because God's been trying to get you to do something for five years and you won't do it. So the question is not, are you strong? The question is, what happened to your strength? What happened to Samson? We jumped down and, and he's laying his head in Delilah's lap. But come on now, I want to be mad at Delilah. But if we go back and look over Samson's life, uh, Samson was probably more dysfunctional than Delilah. He had some issues before he met her. Stop blaming her for everything. Stop looking. Come on now. I know you're judging her like that. She cut off his hair. But there's some stuff that happened in his life that I believe that if we try to avoid, we can learn how to not give our strength away. Okay, let's just start with some background. Samson, Samson, he's a son of Manoah. You got to go back to chapter 13 of Judges. Samson was a son of Manoah. It doesn't even say his mother's name. It just says that Manoah and his wife were praying for children. And so Samson was an answer to their prayer. If you read the text, it says that an angel appeared twice and talked to them about the birth of Samson. And Manoah's prayers gave, he prayed for further instruction on how are we going to raise his child and how we're supposed to raise him up so that he's the type of person that God wants him to be. And so Samson, from the outset, was born with the purpose. Can I just parenthetically pause and just let you know that God didn't just drop you here in the earth for no reason, that you were born for a purpose? Can I even go further to say that you just might be an answer to somebody's prayer? Samson was an answer to prayer, and he was born with a purpose. And, and one of the things that the angel told him to do is that because he was special, they said, okay, here's what we want you to do with him when he's born. We've got we to make sure that he stays on task with what God called him to do. So we want you to do what's called the Nazarite vow. Some of y'all have heard that before, the Nazarite vow. Some people believe that John the Baptist uh, was a, took the Nazarite vow. There were three things that you had to do if you were going to take that vow. Let me see if this applies to some of y'all. Number one, uh, the Nazarite vow was no alcohol. Okay, some of y'all disqualify yourself right there. 
right there. You can't be a Nazarite because you like wine too much. It's cool in the gang. It's all right. Jesus turned the water into wine. I'm just saying, there's no way some of us could be a Nazarite because I like my glass of wine. If you're going to be a Nazarite, number one, you can't have any alcohol or strong drink. Number two, he was not allowed to touch dead things. So no dead corpses, no animals, no people, nothing like that. And then number three, here's the thing that most of us know about. Uh, He was not allowed to cut his hair. This was sort of a vow that his parents made because God promised him, and Samson was the answer to their prayer. And so they said, when he's born, make sure he doesn't drink any alcohol, he doesn't touch anything dead, and by no circumstances ever cut his hair. Okay, y'all with me? So, So what happened to Samson? Because... There's some things that go on in his life that I think if we take a survey that may help us. So let's jump down into Judges chapter 14. I'm just doing a survey of his life. Let's, let's consider this Bible study. Y'all be a good class because I'm going to try to bless you with some things I learned even about my own life. Judges chapter 14. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3. Remember, we're doing a survey of his life. Here's what it says. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. Okay, let me pause. Uh, the reason why he said this to his father, because remember I told you this a while back, that most marriages in biblical times were arranged, and it was the daddy's responsibility to go after a woman for his son, to be a suitor, to hook up with the parents of the possible bride and do some investigation. And some of y'all are like, I don't want anybody to pick my spouse. Well, maybe you probably should have had some help. The first time, you okay, I'm just going, you, you might need somebody to help you out to figure out what you need to do with your life. So he says, go get her for me. And his father and mother objected. Check this out. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? Don't get it twisted. This is not about race. Check out what he says. He asks, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me. She looks good to me, okay? Uh, So here's what happened. Uh, Samson's father, he's tripping because uh, it wasn't just the fact that they were Philistines. It was the fact that uh, they didn't worship the same God as the Israelites. And so his problem was, he says, you can't find a good girl uh, who believes the same stuff that you believe to hook up with. Okay, Samson's problem was, you know what he said? She looks good to me. She looks good to me, go get her. I don't care what she believes. She looks good to me. She's fine, but she don't share my faith. She's, she, she's cute. Uh, maybe, maybe this will hit somebody. She's cute, uh, but her family crazy. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Some of y'all just missed that. If you're with them, just look straight ahead. They ain't got to know I'm talking about you. Yeah, yeah, he, he's cute, but, but everybody in town know his family crazy. Girl, you might want to pick somebody. Samson, you need to pick somebody else. Yes, he's gorgeous. But she's not godly. And Samson says, I don't care. I want what I want. He says, she looks good to me. He says, no, nah, man, brother, this, I know, I know you like what you like, but, but she's, their people don't really believe like we believe. And, and maybe this is sort of one of the first steps to this downward spiral of Samson losing his strength. Okay, let me give you a principle. Remember, I'm just teaching you this morning. Here's the first principle that we can learn that led silent Samson into the lap of Delilah. Number one, he rejected spiritual instruction. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he heard his father say that, that she looks good and she's cute, but she, she kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, her family. Like, I don't know, but, but did you catch 
that his father's reasoning for objecting was spiritual. And maybe one of the things that lead us down the path to our strength being sapped, come on now, you you know how we are. Uh, We don't want anybody to to tell us anything. And Samson, come on, do you see yourself a little bit in this text? So let me ask you a question. Uh, Who has your permission to protect you? Yeah, Samson had, uh, he had good parents. Remember, it says that, that they prayed for him. You know what's a trip? Because I, it's almost like you can see this coming. Here, here's, here's the thing that tripped me out. Uh, it wasn't like his parents weren't spiritual people. Go back and read Judges chapter 13, how Samson was born. It says that an angel showed up to uh, the unnamed wife of Manoah, and she talked to him, and then he disappeared, and she told her husband, uh, you know what, I think I was visited by an angel, and he told me that we were going to have a child. And so Manoah, because he's spiritual, says, I'm going to pray that the angel comes back because I want to talk to him for myself. And the angel shows up, and he has a discussion. Okay, some of y'all missed it. These weren't novices. These weren't people off the corner. He had some people over him that were more spiritual than him. Here's my question. What made Samson think that he knew better? Okay, some of y'all just missed it. I mean, they're spiritual. They're praying. For God's sake, they're talking to God and angels and visitations, and they're praying, and they're seeking God, and they're getting a vow with God, and they know all this stuff. They have a deep, profound connection with God, but Samson was too arrogant to submit himself to their instruction. Okay, some of y'all just missed that because I can just tell you something. Here's a sermon where I'm going to boil down your lane. Maybe some of the reason why your strength is being sapped is because some of us, self-included, have have periods in our life where we're too arrogant to follow instructions. And it says that Samson had parents who were deeply spiritual. We're not talking about somebody off the street. Come on now. Maybe some of us listen to advice from people who don't have the level of spiritual maturity who should be giving us advice at all. Okay, some of y'all just... You just missed it. You listening to everybody on Facebook and all these keyboard counselors who ain't got no degrees, has no background, don't know anything what they're talking about, and all of a sudden I'm finding myself worried about what people who are unqualified to lead me are trying to tell me. See, see, Samson, here's what I learned, and this has been a season, and maybe I'm just preaching to me because I had this season in my own life where, where I... I rejected spiritual instruction. You know what's good? That, that in order to be strong, you got to have some self-discipline. I'm working on that this year. i gotta, I got to get back to some self-discipline. But here's what I learned, that self-discipline is always subjective. Because it's self-discipline. And the problem with self-discipline is that the reason why I need discipline is because there's something wrong with self. Some of y'all just missed that. And so at some point, I need somebody other than me who has the authority, watch this, to discipline me. That's what I told you a few weeks ago. Even your pastor got a pastor because I need somebody who will keep me in check. So here's my question again. Who have you given permission to protect you? Yeah, yeah, I know I'm going to say some stuff that I want. I know there's some stuff that I'm going after, but I need somebody who is more spiritual than me who can help me to make sure I'm not going after stuff just because it looked good. And maybe some of the reason why, remember I told you, don't blame this all on Delilah. Let's, Let's unravel that myth that it was all Delilah's fault. Samson had some dysfunction before he met 
Delilah. Most of us only know that part of the story, but did you know that Samson had people in his life to give him spiritual instruction, and he rejected it? I got to tell you, there's nothing worse. Watch this. I heard this said before. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had. Mm, that's, you know what, let me, let me come down here. Amen myself. Y'all not going to say amen, I amen myself. Can I just tell you? Listen to this. You can't be your best self by yourself. Because Samson had already had a promise on his life, but there was no way he was going to get to be his best self if he continued to try to do things by himself. Okay, let me just say this over somebody. Maybe this is going to hit 10 or 12 of y'all. You better get somebody in your life who's more spiritual than you, somebody that you can look up to spiritually that can help you and give you some instructions, and you better give them permission to check you. Because we live in a society, watch this, because I grew up, you know, I told you about my grandma. I grew up uh, back in the day where we sung about that old-time religion. You remember that? It's good enough for me. We live in a day now where we don't lean on the old-time religion. We live on that old country road religion. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You know what I'm talking about. Can't nobody tell me nothing. And some of us, that's our creed. I got this. I know what I'm doing. I'm spiritual. I know how to handle my kids. I know how to handle my marriage. I know how to handle my money. I have tried to put people in my life who are better at the stuff that I have no idea what I'm doing. I need somebody who does my taxes. I need somebody who helps me with my money. I need a pastor in my life. I have tried to surround myself with people who can give me instruction. And most of us, the reason why our strength is being sapped is because we reject having somebody in our life who can tell you when you're headed in the wrong direction. Samson, he rejected spiritual instruction. Can I just read this to you from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1? This is NIV. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction, watch this, Bible word, not me, is stupid. I didn't say that, the Bible said that. Don't go over and say that my pastor called us stupid. That's the Bible. It says, those who love correction are those who, who gain knowledge, who get stronger, who progress further. But those who hate people to tell them anything that they should be doing or things that they should be walking out. The text says, those type of people aren't very smart at all. And Samson, maybe, come on, are we just doing a survey of his life? I'm just giving you principles. Maybe. The reason why he ended up in Delilah's lap in the first place is because from the outset he rejected people, instruction, who he knew were more spiritually mature than he was. Okay, I'm going to say this again. Maybe this to my young folks. I learned this at a, a later age. I'm going to tell you when you're young, learn this now. Even if you're older, find you somebody who you think is more spiritually mature than you are and they have the fruit of that maturity and say, I need you to mentor me. I need you to, to, to check me. I need you to watch out for me. I need you to make sure that I don't go after stuff that looks good for me but ain't no good for me. Samson's problem was perhaps maybe the problem that most of us have. He, he rejected 
spiritual instruction. How are you not going to listen to people who have such a divine connection with God? They're talking to angels. They're over here. They're over here speaking over your life. They're over here pouring into your life. They got everything that you say you want out of life, but you're too good to listen. Number one, here's, y'all with me? I'm just giving you principles. Number one, I think he got there because he rejected spiritual instruction. Okay, so let me give you, because I'm telling you to, to find somebody like that in your life. Let me give you some qualities of people that you should be considering to have spiritual influence over your life. You ready? Number one, there's got to be some mutuality. What do you mean, Pastor? They have to want something for your life just like you want something for your life. You, you both have to want the same thing, watch this, for you. Don't place yourself under somebody who don't want to see you do good. See, some of us, that's part of the problem is we got people over our life speaking into our life who really don't mean us well. So, so if you're going to have somebody in your life, there needs to be some mutuality. Both of us agree that our job is to get the best out of me. That's, that's what you need in your life. You need somebody who's going to agree with you. Here's the second thing, reciprocity. In other words, they have to return the energy you give them back to you. Don't, don't put yourself under the influence of something who's not, or someone who's not returning the same energy you're giving them. You know what I'm talking about. Those people who you always got to call, those people who you're always trying to track down, those people who you're always trying to see how they're doing, they never call and try to see how you're doing. That's probably not somebody who you want to have influence over your life. Got to be some reciprocity. Are they giving me the same energy I'm putting in to that relationship? Here's, a, here's a, the last thing when you're looking for somebody to get to have spiritual influence over your life. There's got to be a sense of accountability. In other words, they have your permission to check you. A few years ago, uh, when our middle son, he was, uh, I think he was going from, from pre-K to kindergarten. He was at a private school at the time. Uh, we were in LaGrange. And so after the first day, I, I picked him up from school, and I was asking him how the day went. This was years ago. And he, and he says, uh, I, don't like, I don't like the new class. I don't like the new teacher. I said, why not? Uh, he says, and he says, uh, I like Miss Karen better. Miss Karen was his old teacher from pre-K. I said, well, why don't you like Miss Tracy? He says, watch this, because her tells me what to do. Some of y'all, <laughs> some of y'all dismissed that. <laughs> that ain't good English, but that's good preaching. <laughs> he was fine when he could do what he wanted in pre-K, but as soon as he got under the authority of somebody who was trying to get some structure around his life to help him better, he didn't like that because she was telling him what to do. Okay, how many of us, we want to have certain goals in our life, we want to go certain places in our life, we want to accomplish certain things in our life, but as soon as you put yourself under the authority of somebody who gives you instruction, all of a sudden you don't like it because they're telling you what to do. And Samson's problem was our problem. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I got this. And maybe that's the reason why you ended up, Samson, with your head in, a, in Delilah's lap. Maybe if I could go back, I could tell Samson, listen to your parents. Maybe this, is even, maybe this is even for my teenagers and kids in the room. Listen to your parents. Listen to your coaches. Listen to people who you know have the best at heart for you because it will keep you from avoiding having your strength taken from you. All right, so number one, here's a principle 
He rejected spiritual instruction. Here's the second one. Uh, Number two, he avoided accountability. Let me just read you Judges chapter 14, just five and six. Remember, we just doing a survey of his life. He avoided accountability. Check out what happened. As Samson and his parents, this is after uh, they went down to Timnah. Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. A young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't, check this out, he didn't tell his father or mother about it. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Because, let's be honest, I, I, I sort of understand, uh, because I'm human just like him, it says that he was going down. His parents, probably, they, they probably were separated at a distance where they couldn't see what was going on. There was, there was a distance between him and the people that he should have been accountable to. There's a distance between him and his spiritual authority. Some of y'all going to catch this on Tuesday. There was a distance between him and the people who should have spiritual authority over his life. The people who should have been watching him. He had distanced himself. And then he got himself into some trouble. He ran into a struggle and he overcame it, but he didn't tell anybody about it. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Can I just say this? Some of y'all, this might apply to you. I told you I'm bowling down your lane this morning. Look straight ahead. Nobody gonna know I'm talking about you. There's some stuff you're struggling with right now and don't nobody know about it but you and the devil. And you are only as strong, watch this, as your sickest secrets. Like I, like, I get it. I get it. There's some stuff I don't want people to know either because it's embarrassing. But, but my question is, okay, but you overcame it, and it says that the Lord came on you, and you got this powerful strength. He didn't tell them about his struggle or his strength. My question is, how come the people who should know you don't know you at all? Because I can sort of get why he didn't talk about his struggle. Come on, it's embarrassing. There's some stuff. And can I just tell you, everybody don't need to know the stuff you're struggling with. Somebody needs to know it, but not everybody. And so I'm trying to figure out, yeah, maybe I can kind of see that because I'm human too. There's some stuff I struggle with. I don't want everybody to know. I just talked to my pastor about it. But he didn't even say anything about his strength. Here's what we learned. Samson was the type of person who hid everything. Maybe some of the reason why I don't have the strength that I should have is because I'm hiding everything. Samson ran into a struggle that he had the strength to win this time. Yeah, it worked out this time. Yeah, you, you overcame it this time. I thank God for that, but come on, let's be honest. It's coming back around And if you don't get somebody in your life that's going to help you to deal with it, you're going to always find yourself wrestling with stuff behind closed doors. And can I just tell you, you are only as strong as your sickest secret. No, no, don't tell everybody, but there's somebody should know you. They they didn't know about his struggle. They didn't even know about his strength. He doesn't tell his parents anything. My question is, why doesn't your family know you? Maybe not your nuclear family, but the people you call family, the people who, who you say you're connected to, the people who you say you're following. How come, how come they don't really know you? Okay, shameless plug. This is why we're doing growth track. Because how come your church family don't know your strengths? Because people say, I- I've done that before. 
Look, I get it, but can I just tell you, as a pastor, Paul says, my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and not only do I need to know, okay, I talked about this downstairs, uh, I, I joke about this with my pastor friends a lot, that pastors, uh, we very seldom get the phone call, hey, pastor, hey, I just wanted to let you know, man, my marriage is tight, everything's going good, uh, my money's right, my kids are behaving, work is awesome, just wanted to say thank. I never get that phone call. You know what I get? I'm struggling. And I want you to let us know when you're struggling. But you, you want to know what I also need to know? I need to know where you're strong. And the reason we're asking you to come is so your church family can know who you are. See, Samson lost his strength because nobody knew what he struggled with and nobody knew what he was good at. Can I just tell you, he had a relationship with the family that didn't even know him. If you're going to make sure you don't end up with your head in the wrong lap, you got to have some people in your life that know you. Can I just say this? You can't be guided if you stay guarded. How are we supposed to help you live out this Christian walk and fulfill your promise and fulfill? Remember, Samson had a call on his life. How is he going to be guided if he stays guarded, I don't know if you know this, but if you read the text, it just said that God made a promise on his life. His parents didn't even know that he was strong. Nowhere did it say that God told him that this is how I'm going to demonstrate myself in your son. Maybe the reason why you need somebody in your life is so that they can start to see how God is working and help guide you with the stuff that God has strengthened you to be able to do. Maybe his problem was... He was so guarded that nobody could guide him. Can I just say this? Grow track, Wednesday 7, be here, register. Because you can't be guided if you stay guarded. Let me say this. All gifts, watch this, need grooming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like what you see here, it took, it took years for me to be able to do this. I had to have people to sharpen me and people to critique me and people to be on me and people to, to continue to guide me and people to take the gifts and the raw materials that God put inside. But can I just tell you something? If nobody that you're close to really knows you, how is God going to get the most out of you? So number two, he, he avoided accountability. He avoided accountability. Y'all with me? That's, I gave you two. Let me give you another one. I got to explain this one. Number three, he practiced what's called need-based relationships. Okay, let me break this down. It's Judges chapter 4. Let me read verses 12 through 14. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. This is after he married the girl that his parents told him don't marry, and they're having the reception in a party, and Samson, uh, he starts to say, you know what? Let me tell you guys, this is her family. Remember I told you she's cute, but her family crazy. Why are you going to mess with them at the reception? He says, let me tell you a riddle. And they put some money down on it. He says, if you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Go back and read it when you get a chance. Here's what I'm talking about. Uh, the first, this, this is going to bless somebody. The first public display. Because remember, Samson, when he fought the lion, it says that nobody saw it. The first public display of his strength, watch this, was when, okay, maybe I should give you this first. They couldn't figure out the riddle. Go back and read it. They go to his newlywed wife and say, tell us 
uh, you need to go over there and figure out your husband's riddle. Let me parenthetically pause. What made them think that they could go to this man's wife to go after him? See, what was it about her that made them believe, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. So they go to his wife. They say, you know, do whatever you do to get information out of him, but we're not about to lose money. Uh, at this festivities, you need to figure out what the riddle is. And, and they, they figure out the riddle, and they come to Samson, and this is in the Bible. Y'all going to love this. Read this when you get home. They, they say, we figured out your riddle, and Samson says, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, it's in the Bible, I'm just telling you. It's, it's in the Bible. I'm, go back and read it. He says, that's because that heifer told you my secrets. Look, y'all, it's in the Bible. You know you want to say that. Now you got a reason to say it. You know you've been wanting to say that. Now it's in the Bible. You can say it. He says, the only reason why you know the answer is because that heifer told you. It's in the Bible. Go back. I'm not making it up. It's in the Bible. Samson got issues. See, now I'm going to get you to go back and read. <laughs> I'm going home and reading that story. He says, he says that, that, that she, she, she gave you the answer. And then and the text says, then after that, that, that the strength overcame, that the spirit of the Lord overcame Sam, Samson again, and he gave him the strength again, and he went down, and, and he, he kind of acted out of his emotions. He killed, he killed 30 people after that. Now, now, let me explain something to you, what I said about needs-based relationships. The first time that Samson publicly displayed how strong he was, was due to the fact, watch this, that he refused to solve the problem for somebody else. Because some of you think that your, your strength is displayed and determined by your ability to do everything for everybody. And some of you think that because you do everything for everybody, that all of a sudden that demonstrates how strong you really are. But the first time that Samson's strength was displayed publicly, it was displayed because he needed the strength to tell somebody, I'm not here to solve all your problems. Do it yourself. Okay, some of y'all just missed that because some of you have been caught up in a trap of thinking that I'm strong because I can do everything and I can hold everything together and you got a bunch of people around you, watch you, watch this, who need you. And they need you so much that you have been distributing your strength, trying to prove how strong you are, trying to answer problems for people who are not interested in solving their own problems. That's good preaching right there. Nobody else is going to tell you that. But can I just be real with you? Some of us need to realize, okay, you, you do realize that Samson, he was a judge. The period of judges is before the kings that God used judge. Can I just tell you, Samson was a judge, but he ain't Jesus. And neither are you. And there's some things, watch this, that you need to have the strength enough to say no. Because, can I be honest with you? Some of us, let's be honest, we actually thrive on people needing us. And it has become so unhealthy that people who can solve their own problems and figure out their own way 
Keep, come on now, don't look at me like that because you know you got that family member who calls you for everything. They call you about everything. They call you every time they need money. They call you every time, God, I'm not Jesus. Just leave me alone. There's some stuff you need to learn how to do on your own. And sometimes in your attempts to appear strong by fixing everybody else's stuff, you deny other people their ability to discover God's strength working through them. Some of y'all just missed that. This is good preaching. I freed just about five of y'all right there because right now you got some people in your family who keep leaning on you because they need you too much. And I'm not saying don't help people, but Samson says, you can't figure out the problem. I'm not going to figure it out for you. And the first time we see how strong he is is because he refused to figure out a problem that he knew somebody else could figure out. So can I just tell you? Maybe some of the reason why your strength is leaving you is because you get off on people needing you to the degree that you run around trying to fix everybody's problems. Samson was a judge. He's not Jesus. I'm preaching this from a place where I had to learn this myself, where I had to have a friend, a mentor, a spiritual advisor say, Lamar, you can't be everybody's Holy Spirit. Stop thinking it's on you. To fix everybody's stuff, you need to point them to Jesus. The first time we see how strong he is is because he realized you can figure this out on your own. Can I just free somebody? That, that some of us try to display our strength by being the answer for everybody's problems. You're not the answer for everybody's problems. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is nothing. Yeah, yeah. It just hit right there. It just hit. Sometimes you just got to pray for them and say, God bless you. But 20 years of you needing me and 20 years of me needing to be needed is enough that I'm going to put you in God's hands. I'm going to show you how strong I am, not by fixing all your problems, but by taking it to the Lord in prayer and by letting you discover how strong God is. Because the problem is, because I've been fixing all your stuff, you have never come to an ability to realize that God is your source. And what I need you to know is, I'm not Jesus. Samson says, no, figure it out yourself. Can I just tell you this the problem with need-based relationships? Is this good? See, see need-based relationships are often sick, short-lived, and sappy. Look, look. I'm not saying that there's certain things that people shouldn't be able to depend on you on, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those relationships where all they do is need you to fix everything and every mess. I remember having to tell somebody I was helping. The moment I feel like I'm working harder than you are at fixing your life, I'm out. Because I can't be Jesus for you. And they're often short-lived and they're sick relationships and they're sapping. And we don't even realize that Samson is strong until he denies someone, I'm not going to solve the problem for you. So, So can I just say this? Because many of us, we live on the other side of that where our whole identity is that we need to be needed. I get my significance by fixing everybody else's mess. Can I just tell you this? Strong relationships are about seeking to be known, not just needed. See, see, nobody really knew anything about Samson. They just needed him to solve all their problems. And the problem with that is that's not a relationship. They are a customer. Okay, some of y'all just missed it. 
Because if, if the, the basis of our relationship is that I need you to need me and you need me for everything, at what point do I get to be known by you? And strong relationships are about seeking to be known, not just needed. Here's what I love about this. Is that in the end, because many of us have, have experienced this, and I didn't want to leave you with just the three principles of how Samson ended up with his head in the wrong lap. I'm hoping it blessed you. I'm hoping it gave some clarity for you because some of us, I know on the sound of my voice, that's your story. Those are things that maybe you've already been down that path. Maybe you need to share this with somebody else. But I didn't want to leave you there because in Judges 16, 28, it says that then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord. So you know what happened. Delilah cut his hair. We read it at the beginning. Remember, we did, a, we did a frame story. We started at the beginning and said, how did he get here? He has his head in her lap, and now she's cut his hair. You know the story. They come in and rush him. He has no more strength left. They gouge his eyes out. They tie him to a millstone, and they have him walking around in circles just for entertainment. But then it says, Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. And with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for their loss of my two eyes. Here's what's the trip. There's only one place in all of Samson's story other than this where he even talks to God at all. And in that one place, I believe it's in chapter 15, he wasn't even really talking to God. He was complaining to God. But this is the first time where we see Samson focus on the most important relationship because he finally realized that the source of my strength is God. Can I just offer you something? Samson got a second chance when he remembered that my relationship and the strength that I have comes from God, not my need to be needed, not fixing everybody else's stuff, not how everybody needs me. That's not where my strength comes from. And he prayed for a second chance because for the first time in his entire story, the text says he finally prayed. He talked to God and said, just give me strength one more time. I want to just, I want to end it right here because some of us, we've been down that road and your strength has been sapped. But I promise you, if you refocus on the most important relationship that you have, and that's your relationship with Jesus. If you don't even have that relationship, we can hook you up today. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to meet him today. Don't leave out these doors without getting the most important relationship that you will ever have in your life. And Samson got a second chance when he decided to focus on the source of his strength. Is there anybody in here? who needs a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance, or a fifth, come on now, how many of you on your 10th chance, or your 100th chance? Come on now, y'all playing. Anybody here on your 30th chance and say, God, I know I messed up. I know that I haven't been focused on you, but I promise you, if you refocus and just ask him, God, give me my strength back. I've had family members who have taken it. I've had my head in the wrong lap. I've been trying to be everything to everybody, and it's taken all my strength. And I'm off course with my destiny, and I'm off course with the promise of my life. But I promise you, if you pray to God and ask him, God, give me my strength back. It says that God gave him his strength, and he was able to accomplish what God always destined him to do. 
because he stopped messing with everybody else. And he focused on God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to just look and glean at the life of Samson. A man who had so much promise and so much strength and found himself constantly putting himself in circumstances and situations that were questionable that ultimately led to him losing his strength. And God, what we want more than anything else is to learn from his life and not make the same mistakes. God, we don't want to just live and learn. We want to learn so that we can live. And so God, help us to learn from his life how we should live so that we don't find ourselves in a position where our strength is being taken from us, where the promise you gave us has been taken, where our dreams are being snatched, where our potential is being snatched. Help us to live in such a way where, God, we honor the fact that you have given us a promise, you have given us strength, and we do the best that we can not to, not to put ourselves in positions to have that taken away. But, God, then there are some of us like me who've made those choices already and who have found ourselves in situations that have taken away our strength. And so, God, I pray for those under the sound of my voice who maybe this is more than a sermon. This is real life. This is things that I've done. These are situations that I've handled. Maybe there's someone under the sound of my voice who's had their strength taken away from them because of their need to be needed. And they're constantly trying to rescue everybody. And maybe there's something even in their own self-conscious where they don't understand that, God, you are the source for them. So, God, I pray that for those of us who've made those mistakes already, give us a second chance. Give us our strength back. Give us our dreams back. Give us our promise back. Give us our passion back. And help us to remember, God, that we were born and placed here with a purpose. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.